I blame the parents. Potheads, pianists and pirates all washed ashore in this 27th midnight video with your rum-soaked shipmates, me Jim Hall and me Phil Walsh tonight from Off With A Head to Off A Head a cautionary fable from the 60s teen drug scene as we share a hooker with Alice in Acidland The late great Ken Russell makes more composers spin in their graves when Roger Daltrey fights a Nazi vampire Frankenstein's monster superhero Wagner in the not entirely historically accurate biopic Listomania and Michael Caine wishes he could just walk the plank when faced with jellyfish torture while being put out to stud by a clan of inbreds for 1980s The Island. So, 2012. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Back in the hot seats. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Twitter sphere has gone into meltdown. With people wanting to know how your Christmas in France was, <laughs> I was keep good. seeing those bluebirds picking the whale up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Christmas, <laughs> it was very Christmas. <laughs> it was great. It was just blue skies every day. Uh, I was in my t-shirt on Christmas Day. Um, I was drinking lots of wine, lots of champagne, eating lots of oysters. You know, just your typical. <laughs> French, French Christmas. Got it all wrong. <laughs> Goodness. Um, no, I went back, hung out with my folks, and uh, oh, uh, sunny Redditch. Sunny Redditch, yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a sort of um, a lot of the family now are retired pensioners. So <laughs> that, that whole question of what's going on and what are you up to? There's a lot of enforced small talk going on. But I did have a good chat with my um, my nephews over Christmas lunch. They were big fans of Attack the Block. Ah, cool. Which have you you have seen now, haven't you? Mm, yeah. 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 Um, although we disagreed about which was the best film out of Kick-Ass or Super. I've not seen Super. No, they were big fans of that. I was not so uh, oh, okay. Not so keen. But there was a chilling moment when they said they... I don't know if they preferred the Star Wars prequels to the, the classics, but there were certainly some... They're 18 and 21 now. Um, That's no nephews. excuse. I think they did say they moved faster than the old ones, which I thought was inexcusable. But, you know, that's what Christmas is all about. Man, they they just need to, I don't know, smoke some weed and watch the, watch the old ones or something. I'm not going to pass any aspersions. <laughs> no, but yes, welcome back, um, 2012, and we've got we've been we've had a pint and tried to work out the next six months worth of shows or so. And we've got yeah. some good ideas coming up for the next uh, four or five shows. Anyway. Yes, we've got yes. a little mini theme season. thing going on. I mean, yeah. A mini season. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's a better way of putting it. But anyway, I think that's that's Christmas completely covered and wrapped up, and we don't need to mention it again for another twelve months. No, that's if, if we're both still breathing. It's absolutely defecated now. Goodness me. <laughs> um, okay, let's press on. Animal had pushed the right button, and Alice had exploded with a passion for sex that turned her into a wildcat. What happens when straight high school students run into drugs and peer pressure? Zero budget soft porn is a surprising answer in 1968's Alice in Acidland. Ostensibly a warning about youth out of control, this short pseudo-documentary chronicles the collapse of teenager Alice Trenton as she falls in with a turned-on crowd and her life spirals away in a whirl of orgies, ponchos and freaked-out hallucinations. A few shows back you swore you knew nothing about picking Demons of the Mind, but <laughs> um, this you definitely chose. Where on earth did you dig this up from? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, oh, no, I'm not saying anything about the film yet. I just it is such a peculiar thing, and I was looking around at a few other internet reviews of it. Um, yeah, who said it's become it's got a little bit of a cult following, but much of it due to how obscure it is. And yeah, it's certainly it's not a conventional film, is it? It's really like famously Reefer Madness. It's one of these things which is meant to be a cautionary tale, but is really an excuse to get some. Um, lurid material on screen definitely yeah because I went I, I can't recall but I just remember the title really sold itself to me uh, because I didn't read into what the film was about to be honest I just thought I'll just choose like it that title. title it's the sort of thing that um, what's his name Troy McClure would mention in <laughs> The Simpsons you may remember me from such films in fact I think he did one called Alice Through the Windscreen I was the stunt double in uh, <laughs> yes. Alice in Acidland <laughs> Gosh, so you sound like you're regretting picking this. I found it quite hard going. I mean, the best thing about it is it's only 55 minutes long, but the worst thing about it is that it's 55 minutes long. It really is just 
an absolute waste of celluloid, I think. Didn't you find yourself uh, excited and maybe strangely turned on by what the uh, the American youth are getting up to when <laughs> when the parents aren't there to look after them? Uh, unsurprisingly, I didn't at all. Um, I was very surprised from the offset because it was uh, it came across like reef of madness, one of those like, like you said, a cautionary tale. It just turned into yeah soft porn. It, it didn't really make much sense, you know. There was this idea of it being you had this very stern voiceover narration about. The, the the ills of uh, drugs or what the of he's, what could happen. He's stern struck bored. <laughs> yeah. He sounds very much like the guy in an, another of these famous mockumentaries, Glenn or Glenn, the um, Edward thing on transvestism. Hmm. Um, and also, as a comics fan, you may have seen this. There is a clip. Have you seen the film Comic Book Confidential, which has all this stuff yes. from the um, sort of fifties when they were after EC comics and they did the, the, the mock-up of um, some like twelve-year-old boys or something reading comics and one gets agitated and wants to brain the other one with a rock. But the voiceover on that again is this kind of quite bored-sounding authoritarian figure telling us how terrible these things are going to rot your brains and cause the whole country to go to hell. Um, as this began, it, it was immediately striking because I from that title and also the little poster that appears um, yeah. in, on the internet. I was expecting something really a, a real freak out thing. I was mm. expecting from that title loads of hallucinations. Yeah, probably something quite imaginative. Very quickly, um, the fact that it's in black and white um, and doesn't have the luxury of synchronized sound. You know, they've got that voiceover. There's a lot of very smoky nightclub jazz being played throughout. Um, I think we're being generous to call them orgies, even aren't we? <laughs> you know. Um, Although, although the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> although there is more to say about it later, depending on how much we want to give away. Okay, <laughs> but that's um, this. Is it. it was made in 1968, so it's kind of the White Album and stuff, which just tells you how um, skewed our views of history can be. Because you assume, you assume 1968 is going to be yeah, the White Album. I think Woodstock was maybe a bit later than that, but um, Carnaby Street. And yet, for most people, it was a really quite... I'd imagine it's just quite a, a routine kind of year for them. The people here look more like they're from the 50s, these Definitely, yeah. teenagers, although they're probably a bit older. I think they are probably legitimate porn people or um, what they call them? Stag movies. Yeah. <laughs> Nudie cuties. <laughs> um, it's fairly explicit, I suppose, but not. no, not really. It's yeah. Well, in terms of, given it was meant to be a warning, I wasn't expecting it to be quite so... It, it really loves showing oral sex and then zooming in on someone's face while they writhe around. Yeah, but it's... I mean, it's only the women who get naked. The guys are always in boxer shorts, aren't they still? Well, this is... Uh, <laughs> it is mostly soft porn and whatever else. I, porn, whatever you think of it, if your response to it is to find it charming and delightful <laughs> which was my yeah. response watching it because yeah. it isn't an orgy particularly is it it's these no. um, it's these kids but I was finding myself quite nostalgic <laughs> um, watching this and it's the fact that you get the sense they're, they're not really familiar with what they're supposed to be doing mm. um, a lot of the guys are, you can tell they're trying to come to terms with simultaneously uh, sucking the girls' faces off while trying to manoeuvre their underwear around and come in a cropper. Um, <laughs> even Bob, even aka Bob, the Bob animal. Fletcher, aka the animal, <laughs> who is also in uh, the Black Gestapo. Really, is a henchman in the Black Gestapo. I Gosh, his career went from strength to strength. <laughs> because right, people went on to other things. Because the main girl in this, Alice, mm. who, um, not to be cruel, but she's. The most homely of the girls here, isn't she? <laughs> she is, yeah. Which she, you I, can see there's a reason for doing that to make her seem more of an identifiable character amongst all these leggy blondes and whatever. Mm. But um, there are some really ham fisted scenes, aren't there? There's one with uh, Alice, I think this is well before she gets into drugs, really. I think she has a, a normal cigarette rather than a jazz cigarette. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she certainly seems to lose her inhibitions pretty quickly, and she's taken off by this kind of um, 
nymphomaniac lesbian character. Frida. Frida, I think, yeah. yeah who's, um, is she described as a French teacher towards the beginning, or is that someone what? else? What? No, she's a fresher. Oh, a fresher. Because I was going to say, Freshman, the, the version yeah. I was watching skipped around a bit at the beginning. Yes, yeah, There's yeah. a lot of dropout in the dialogue. Oh, right, okay. But I love the. <laughs> I was hoping she was a French teacher, and that was just the very. <laughs> <laughs> the nadir of bohemian lifestyle. So this is what my wife gets yes, up to. Absolutely. <laughs> but going back to the action, yeah. Um, <laughs> the action. Alice, after she's had liquor that burns her throat, <laughs> she crops upon the soundtrack in a kind of third-person voiceover, which does disrupt the narrative a little mm. bit, considering the ending. Um, there's a scene she gets sort of dragged into this lesbian encounter, but it's so unerotic because there's a dreadful scene where the camera's closed in on her tush and the other girl's trying to pull her bikini bottoms down but it's so Fairly badly miserable. done yeah. and she has to give her a hand <laughs> and oh well I think it probably caters to a quite specific fetish yeah well possibly but I, I doubt it <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> but yeah that I mean that whole scene like you say it's so unerotic and it's just I don't know who, who's going to be turned on by that because you don't you're not seeing a great deal anyway yeah, you oh. see her arse I mean they're quite Buxom ladies, you know the ladies of that time, which is which is probably the most refreshing thing about it is actually watching like normal shaped women in yeah. uh, naked, apart from in a Peter Greenaway film, because that's the point when I realised, oh wait a minute, this this isn't going to be uh, uh, an amazing drug fest that I was hoping it was going to be, which I suppose you could argue that it sort of becomes eventually. Well, this is it. I was hoping this would be full of whacked out hallucinations and you are watching and yeah I'll say I had some vague enjoyment of just how innocent a lot of it seemed it, it does bring back memories of being a teenager at a party when someone's kids are away or something but um, parents yes that's <laughs> <laughs> more you go around for the parents party that's more how my life is now perhaps um, well but there's that little scene where they're going towards the party and like Alice's voice comes over and she yeah. says oh and Frida had told us she's got it really kicking it's getting oh she's going to really get the party turned on yeah or heated up or something and, and then you get there there's was, like a, a big empty room with six people massive <laughs> empty room with yeah a few people sitting on sofas <laughs> with a bit of uh, a little heavy petting <laughs> heavy going petting. on that was always like not allowed in swimming pools I remember a sign yes. in swimming pools no heavy that. petting no bombing in the deep end there wasn't any of that believe me (laughs) but yeah 45 minutes of this and then suddenly she takes acid and I shall we yeah we've got to describe what happens here yeah the whole thing goes Wizard of Oz (laughs) and I think that was brilliant it goes from this drab black and white and like I say stag party film you can imagine was just a two reeler or whatever Mm. this thing in colour which even though it probably wasn't a big deal in 1968 it's so jarring to go from that and the jazzy smoky um, soundtrack to more of a freak out type of thing it's a little bit like sort of Pink Floyd improvs the the Pink Floyd sorry the the sort of Sid Barrett era (laughs) with um, I don't know. It does a sort of reasonable job of showing an acid hallucination, I suppose. Not too realistic, but it's it's more like a kind of seventies top of the pops, legs and co routine, with a bit of a James Bond title sequence going on. There's a lot of that's, overlaid. Well, it's a lot of naked ladies. That's what I was going to say. Superimposed it was a, it was a James Bond title sequence, really. Yeah. And to me, that's not very psychedelic. Or out there, or very acidy, or tricky. Oh, I think it's a nice timepiece, though. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so. It was. It was such a sort of step up from going from this quite chaste little setup to this. Well, even, it's like it jumped from, like you said, like the fifties. Yeah. Suddenly, yeah. it became part of that era all of a sudden. Yeah, it's it's like when the Beatles grew moustaches and things. <laughs> um, but even the fact that it has Alice with face paint on, it's mm. kind of that seemed like, oh right, we've we finally caught up with what's yeah. happening now. This is just soft porn, but was people probably know about this to get past the censorship system. If you um, eventually came with a moral to it and said, you know, all these terrible things people indulge in, but you know they come a cropper at the end. Yeah. Something I loved about this, and I don't want to describe it specifically, but I do think when we do the film strip for the website, we should probably show the shot. Yes. Yeah. After this, it goes. It's like. It's it's exactly like Kubrick's two thousand and one, isn't it? You've, you've <laughs> yeah, got it is, um, it you've got three quarters of the film with nothing much happening. Then suddenly it goes all sort of colours and uh, strange things happening. In the last thirty seconds, <laughs> there's suddenly this like 
after this beautiful awakening and it looks much more fascinating than the world she's come from the doors of perception have opened been cleansed (laughs) yes Um, and then suddenly in the last 30 seconds you just get this kind of oh and by the way (laughs) you know she got her just desserts and it's so like tacked on it's almost like the film was in the can and they just said can we can we come can you come back for some retakes which is an I'm sure they didn't I'm sure this was all done in an afternoon Um, but yeah it's the equivalent of if you had that and then just said she took acid and thought she could fly and jumped out of a window. <laughs> but coupled with that, the actual caption, because it's so cheap, there's not even a title sequence, is mm, it? There's a caption no, no. card, which is just an illustration. And the end credits as well is just another caption card, but so inappropriate, <laughs> given what we've just seen. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you picked this. I think this yeah. is... Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I possibly wouldn't have watched it all the way through if it weren't for the fact we were reviewing it. But, um, yeah... <laughs> It's, if you want some charming, delightful, nostalgic porn, then this is uh, this is the thing for you. Wet, sweet tongue of tears. Wet lips, open wide. The A to Z of movies through midnight video continues. Amazing. You've not lost us, even though it's the new year. That's incredible. But yes, <laughs> we've got some more feedback. Um, do you want to kick off? Yeah, I will. I'll kick off with uh, Glenn C. Chapman, good friend from Twitter. Hey Glenn, hope you're well. He's put S is for Slapshot. Crude, violent and hilarious. What's not to like? The ultimate sports movie. Ice hockey movie, which... Paul Newman. Yeah, I'm and trying to think if I've seen that or not. Uh, I think it was something that Famous used to turn up on TV but really cut to ribbons because uh, of its language. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but I don't think I've, I've not seen that in quite a while. Um, I've got a selection here from our good friend Rich Wells. Hi Rich. P is for Polanski, probably my favourite film director. So many of his films amongst my all-time faves, Cul-de-Sac Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, The Tenant, the list goes on. Great that he is still producing quality work too, namely 2010's The Ghost, an old-school thriller of the highest order. Bronholm, as <laughs> it's uh, Piers Brosnan, on top form as the shady Tony Blair alike. You were asking me just before the show if I'd seen that. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I quite fancy it. Though. Yeah. Uh, McGregor, I find, is a bit drab these days, but... Um yeah, I'm always up. You and McGregor. Yeah, you yeah, he was in that terrible film, The Island. <laughs> <laughs> By spooky coincidence. Uh, another one from Glenn. T is for Tropa de Elite. Padilla's two films show an incredible amount of depth on a complex subject and keep things urgent and incredibly exciting. The themes explored here make him the ideal person to direct the Robocop remake. Anyone dismissing the project needs to see Tropa de Elite and the sequel. Um, yeah, I love the first film, and Glenn's actually sending me um, the second, so I wait with bated breath. But I've not heard anything but good things about it. Robocop so. reboot? Yeah, do you not know about no. that? Oh yeah, it's been on the cards for Aronofsky was attached to it for quite a while. He's uh, not usually attached to movies, and then <laughs> and then drops out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I've got high hopes for that. I'm yeah. sure the only thing I'm a bit was it who did the makeup? Was it Rob Bottom? Did for, for the original, yeah, mm, possibly. Because I really, I'm worried that just it's just going to be a CGI body. But I think you need that mechanical look to it. Yeah, that's, that's always a always a worry. Yeah. Rich Wells again. Cue the winged serpent. Is too obvious. Maybe I'm going to go for my favourite film of 2011, Le Quattro Volte. I never felt the need to see the Tree of Life after this. A beautifully crafted circle of life tale set against the stunning vistas of rural Italy. Beware the infamous baby goat sequence. One of the saddest things I've seen in a long time. <laughs> he says laughing. Wow, that's, uh, that's what did my appetite. <laughs> in fact, it was more that I'm... We're throwing forward now to a film we'll review later, which does contain the dialogue, go stick your face up a goat's ar- a dead goat's arse. <laughs> oh, I had that mic down for yes. a, a good sample, well, though. <laughs> we can maybe throw it at some point. <laughs> I'm just going to throw another one from Rich. Struggling to think of a decent R off the top of my head right now, but how about Ravenous, goofy cannibal nonsense with a top Alban and Nyman score? What a meaning of minds. Robert Carlyle, isn't it? I don't know. This Ravenous. is... Um, Ravenous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Guy Pierce. Yes. <clears throat> it's the cannibal, the musical. I'm guessing. From the, the, yes. But probably not a musical. <laughs> it's not cannibal, the musical. No, no, exactly. No. But that's quite a good film, though. And from Lyndon Dunham. Hey, Lyndon. Hi, mate. 
Thief, Michael Mann's first film, and for my money, his best. Sparse on dialogue, which is good because Mann can't write dialogue for Toffee, and big on visuals, as you might expect. And allegedly, coke adult James Kahn is perfectly cast as a professional safebreaker who spent his formative years in the chokey and whose social skills are more than a little retarded as a result. His going into partnership with the Mafia turns out to be a big mistake. Who'd have thought it? Lots of real-life cops and crims in the supporting cast, which helps give the film an air of authenticity. Great soundtrack by Tangerine Dream, of course. Of course. That's one of my... You're slapping your wrist because you've not seen it. Yeah, it's it's something that's been on my love, uh, my love list film, my Amazon wish list for mm. ages, and I just always overlook it. Gosh. I know, yeah, it's bad. No, I've not seen it for a long time. Mm. But again, I've said this on previous shows. It's one of the things because I was such a huge Tangerine Dream fan. I knew the soundtrack very well, and the film can't help be a bit, regardless of what quality is. The fact it's not the film you had in your head. Mm. But um, no, I, I, I'd be keen to see that again, especially after Drive last year. Which, uh, yeah, seemed like the thing I thought was most like. That was the film it seemed most like, you know, mm-hmm. of those uh, slick eighties crime thrillers. Um, one last one from Rich Wells S is for the story of film an odyssey never thought we'd see a 15 hour series on world cinema on British television I hope the viewing figures were enough to warrant more programmes of this quality coincidentally another S is my other favourite bit of telly from last year the shadow line a must see if only for Stephen Ray's show stealing performance one of the greatest screen villains of recent years Ah, now thinking of Stephen Ray has led me to another S in Stuck a Stuart Gordon film I've already revisited more times than Reanimator. I'll stop now. Uh, well, I'd mention while Rich is here, his top trumps, which are absolutely amazing, aren't they? they? My favourite Christmas present. Yeah, they're superb. I'm so impressed with them. Thanks for that, Rich. They're yeah. great. And we've already got ideas for a few. Yeah. <laughs> we might actually be here. But yeah, you can check those out on the website and uh, Facebook. Mm. Okay, you've got... We've got like a ah. final bunch now from our good friend Giles, okay. so I'll go. He probably with hates all these films now. <laughs> watched them since. What was I thought, oh, thinking? <laughs> P is for a place in the sun. Gorgeous, utterly compelling proto noir love story from George Stevens, with an unparalleled pairing of cinema beauties at the most radiant. Montgomery Clift and Elizabeth Taylor on a downward spiral towards inevitable Hollywood tragedy. Q is for Quiz Show. A bit mainstream this, but a somehow forgotten first-rate contemporary drama with great performances, a razor-sharp script and larger-than-life true story. is the kind of snazzy, snappy programmer Hollywood has now forgotten how to make. See also Erwin Winkler's Guilty by Suspicion. Um, I went to see this when it came out. It's Robert Redford, isn't it? It's the scandal of... John um, Turturro. John Turturro, who's like a less... He's a great... You know, this is trivia game show, which Mm. he's great at, but... um, I think there's someone else who's more photogenic or for some reason is easier to root for. So, mm. I just, Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that again because I've been revisiting a lot of films from that kind of era Yeah, recently. And you were saying you watched Dead Again. Yes, yeah, before, which I wasn't overly keen on. No, honest, but it's, it's but just weird to think there are all those films which are quite, not huge box office, but quite prominent and yeah. you forget about them very quickly, I think. Mm. Things don't have an afterlife on TV. I know. R is for Retribution. Before he was the director of Stepfather 3 and Children of the Corn Revelation, Guy Magar, or is it Major? Or Magar? Or Magar? Well, he's Major. Yeah, made this cheap and cheerfully sleazy tale of revenge from beyond the grave as the spirit of a dead mafia boss leaps into the body of a suicidal nerd and exacts grisly vengeance on his former enemies, including a very memorable death by slaughterhouse carcass slicer. I'm fascinated by the idea of Children of the Corn revelation. <laughs> I didn't. Know, there was a whole bunch of what straight to DVD or video. Yeah, I've, I've not even seen Children of the Corn. Um, a long time ago, but again, that's sort of it's not one of the better known Stephen King ones, is it? No. Or uh, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, we watched that great Dollar Baby one. Yeah, the um, kind of adaptation Times. of it yeah, was done was on the cheap. Uh, th- but that sounds extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Boss. Oh wait a minute, Retribution. Yeah. I think I've got this on video. I think there's um the cover is like someone in Venetian is blinds. Is it a dead mafia boss leaping into a nerd's body? I th- thought it was actually an alien film, mm. a film about aliens, but I bought it ages ago because I remember seeing it when I was a kid in the video shop, you know, the cover, it's yeah. one of those, and I've, I just bought it on a whim kind of thing, and I've not watched it yet. I might watch that tonight. 2012. <laughs> S is for the seven ups, besting the car chases in both Bullet and The French Connection. The producer of those films... 
Philodantoni, directs Roy Scheider, Tony LaBianco, Joe Spinell and Richard Lynch in a riveting, suspenseful, high-octane, hard-boiled thriller about an elite squad of NYC cops infiltrating a criminal gang who are kidnapping mobsters for money. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. Um, I think Giles recommended that to me ages ago on Twitter when we were chatting once. And, um, yeah, just, wow. Spinell and Lynch. Scheider. And Scheider. Yeah. Uh, finally, from Giles, T is for Torso, the second best Giallo ever made after Deep Red. A tense Hitchcockian gore-fleck thriller with a third act as tight as a recidivist pervert's <laughs> alba. Pervert's <laughs> alba. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, okay. Giles. Thanks, everyone, for those. And while you're storming Moscow, Napoleon, I suppose I'm expected to sit at home like Josephine, saving your press cuttings and knitting your mittens. I won't be cold, love. Not with all those Russian muffs around. When you've cast Ringo Starr as the Pope and Rick Wakeman as Thor, giving Roger Daltrey the lead role in 1975's Listomania seems a positively conservative choice. Ken Russell goes well overboard in this colourful, fantastical version of the Hungarian pianist composer's many loves, rock star status and fierce rivalry with Richard Wagner. I suppose I have to say rest in peace, Ken. Indeed. A big loss to cinema, I think. Not that he was prolific in the last few years the last on the scale that, odd years, yeah. yeah no because he was amazingly prolific in the 70s mm. and, um, but no the fact that he hadn't made anything since was whore I think his last he's been making mainstream stuff. thing he, he was doing bits and pieces yeah. in his garage I think like that's all right, of the yeah. louse of Usher and um, <laughs> when he died because I, I briefly thought about doing a Ken Russell special but um I was a bit worried that we could pick three films which were all dreadful. <laughs> it's possible. That's one of the great things with Ken Russell. You yeah. could do genuinely great stuff and stuff that you just thought, oof, but the same's true of anyone, really. You know, certainly Herzog, you know, but we're going off tangent already. Mm. Um, Listomania, which uh, we should mention, is the first part of our mini-series, or festival, on British rock stars. In film. In film, yeah. So uh, we, uh, we're all, all British rock stars who... Act are always brilliant, aren't they? So um, they are we've got, indeed. We've got some real gems coming up over the, the next. The proof uh, is in the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find this pudding? It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Because um, it was made just after Tommy. Immediately after, I think, like he approached Daltrey on the set. I thought, well, for, uh, whatever. I think the chemistry might have been going well. There. Yeah. Because it's weird looking at Ken Russell's. Um, he's known for this kind of very over the top bawdy thing. I was yeah. going to try and get through the review without saying outrageous, but I think it's probably a bit <laughs> ridiculous not to. Prior to this, he'd done The Devils, but then there's that whole bunch of films like The Boyfriend, which is a little bit fantastical, but Savage Messiah mm-hmm. and Marla, which are a little more conventional. And it's like once he got to do Tommy and got to go absolutely apeshit, mm. it's kind of like it reinvigorated him. And this is like... Absolutely. I think yeah. most people who have not seen all of Tommy will know those clips of Pinball Wizard and whatnot. Um, this is like that, but really just cranked up further, and yeah, because it's the most Russell film I can think of, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the se- you can see the seeds for that in um, a film like The Devils. Yeah. Um, certainly, set-wise, I mean, there's great attention paid to how um, the set design, and also the way it's everything is theatrical but in the way it's laid out theatrically mm. as well you know um, like there's almost there's always a kind of a stage for performance mean, in yeah. some way yeah um and yeah i saw tommy years ago i've seen it a few times but i think maybe 12 years ago was the last time i watched it and i don't remember it being as manic as this cause this is absolutely off the wall I, I, just from the outset it is it's 110 miles an hour and it doesn't let up that's what I think yeah because I had seen this about a year ago um, and I'd forgotten that it doesn't even have a title sequence for (laughs) several minutes it starts with do you want to describe what the opening shot is well it's basically um, List aka Roger Daltrey is in bed with uh, is it Marianne yeah she's a countess in fact I think it's her in real life it's her sort of kiss and tell biography that the film's based on it is yeah Yeah. and um, so you've got a metronome setting a pace like and he's going from breast to breast of this woman yes and then he changes it to a bit faster and it keeps increasing until it becomes like a Benny Hill sort of uh, (laughs) 
Oh yeah, it's without their speeding up. Before the the cuckolded lover comes, yeah. husband comes in, has a sword fight, which again <laughs> is very a bendy sword. Yeah, they even talk about how they're film props at one point. The lyrics are because there's the shadows of them, the silhouettes with the, the droopy sort. Because there's a lot of phallic kind of mm. um, metaphors and stuff. But with this kind of country hoedown song going on, sung by Daltrio, the soundtrack, and it's it really sets the the scene there. It's um, the tone. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, because then it comes up with a Good Times presentation. Now, I don't know if you know that. It's David Putnam and um, Roy Baird who did this and The Devils. But they Lord also did Putnam. They also did films like The Final Programme, which, have you ever seen that? The no. Jerry Cornelius thing, Michael Moore. I know, uh, I know. Which, again, it just seemed like, yeah, the 70s, were, there was an odd little oasis when this sort of project... People probably thought there's enough people out there who'd want to watch this. This notoriously did flop. I remember saying on a much earlier show reading Michael Palin's biographies when he became like a director at Shepperton, they were all complaining about the massive loss of money that this had uh, incurred and they were desperate to get Superman filmed uh, their studios to try and recoup it um, yeah it's insane um, it was weird watching this last night because I as a build up to it I'd watched Hell on Earth a documentary on the devils to sort of almost uh, to whet my appetite <laughs> and to go from that when everyone's talking about what a relevant and powerful film The Devils is and it is, it's fantastic and that outrageous vision in it and then to have this which really just seems like he couldn't give a monkeys although that's not to say he's not there's a lot of passion there oh yeah he definitely wants to do this but it just mm. seems like he doesn't really want to say anything political or religious after that or not that he's shy of doing it it's more like look he just thought this is this is pudding this yeah, is a, yeah. this is dessert. I've had a, I've, I've done that thing. This, this is, is an excess of it after yeah, eight minutes. Absolutely, it's <laughs> yeah, appropriate Christmas. But it's also weird because I watched the films last night in the sequence we were reviewing them, and mm. to have Alice in Acid Land <laughs> with this very tame sex. I don't know if I mentioned that previously, but um, which then goes into this very hackneyed uh, freak out, and then this just within the opening <laughs> few seconds is just just blows it away, and it's mm. only like seven years later. Yeah, they did have a considerably larger budget though and as you say there's the set design in this is fantastic yeah it's extraordinary um, I was initially a bit worried because we only reviewed Fellini's Casanova a few shows back and I was watching this to begin with thinking oh god it's going to be another world of powdered wigs <laughs> and excess but uh, very quickly they became they diverged you know yeah. or shouldn't it's not too helpful to compare them but it looked like they could be similar films but they have a very very different flavour to them yeah they're the Stuff that it really reminded me of, um, especially because Rich, we just read Rich's story of mm. film yeah. um, recommendation for the A to Z, and yeah, I watched that, and Mark Cousins was really singing the praises of uh, Baz Luhrmann mm. for you know his postmodernist take on cinema with oh, um, Rouge. Yeah, yeah, but like uh, Russell was doing it with this absolutely to the nth degree you know I think maybe Lerman must have he must have seen this he must have some kind of um, interest yeah, in what Russell did because it, it really reminded me of that um, even Romeo and Juliet you know that really important historical side to it mm. especially because like, I, I didn't know much about Liszt to be no. honest so I had to go on Wikipedia read up on him <laughs> likewise um, and look into yeah like the links to Wagner and stuff I had no idea about this Beethoven even but you know there's a there's a real heavy history there and that's on the screen surprisingly mm. but then it's mixed in with um, pure just fucking chaos like, yes. I don't know how else to describe it because it, it's not even like an organised chaos because it really looks like things were going mental on set as well, maybe. Um, I don't know, because then having said that, some of the most outrageous scenes mm. must have been choreographed well in advance. There's a, With the a stuff huge when, cock. Oh, well, that, that's that's a kind of <laughs> cut-off point, if you'll pardon the pun, because it does end with a guillotine, doesn't it? <laughs> the beginning of this film, I thought, was a bit of a mess, and I remember thinking that when I first watched it, because mm. the whole conceit is that List in his day there was the phenomenalist yes. mania women in the audience were screaming you had all these army of lovers and whatever um, that didn't work for me at the beginning and I was thinking oh this isn't and then you have this kind of scene with him dressed as Charlie Chaplin mm. when he's remembering early days with his wife and stuff I was thinking this isn't going to pull it off but then that's the big scene when List meets um, a uh, countess who will become his sponsor the Princess Caroline yeah. of, uh, Russia. Um, 
and then they, they sort of flirt with the idea that she might be the devil because he's already in his head said he wants this bargain where he will give up his soul to write brilliant music which then just goes out of control um, into the uh, he grows a, an enormous cock and it's not a <laughs> It's not like a phallus, like a banana or something. It's veiny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's got fairly a big blue central ana- vein. Anatomically <laughs> accurate. <yeah. laughs> While he's danced around. But yeah, that wasn't the scene I was thinking. It was the stuff with Paul Nicholas. Yeah. Is it Nichols or Nick- Nicholas? Nichols. Nichols yeah, as, as, Wagner. as Wagner. I think he's, he's great in Later it. Later on. Yeah. When he's mm. dressed as Superman, yeah. he's actually got the blue and <laughs> yeah. red with the cape, but he's got gloves as well. But he's got this army of devoted kids who have the same uniform with the little, the W, which is strange not <laughs> the Wonder Woman logo. Yeah. But they're all dancing around. You're thinking, yeah, this wasn't just thrown together in the morning because it must take a lot of effort to get that amount of clothes yeah. organised. And the choreography is quite well done in that because they are all sort of acting there, sort of syncopated and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I yeah maybe it is kind of con- well well it must have been controlled you, know, you, you have to be in a controlled yeah. environment to make these things work but it's like because I was reading Mark Olman's biography recently about how I don't know how he got his music made like through the eighties and stuff because he's just like it doesn't seem to be scenes, uh, yeah. a creative environment but these no. things do something does come out yeah, of it um, <laughs> possibly there's so much there that then it's you can chop it together but yeah. also I think with some like pop music um, there's usually someone who knows they've put their money on the line and they'll be sensible and probably prodding them with a broom to mm. get them or Is whatever Mark Putnam's Olman uh, role <laughs> um, possibly the thing is I'd uh, as out of control a talent as Ken Russell was I think he probably knew what he wanted to do it's, yeah. it's more amazing that people said yep we're going to build a room full of arses yeah. <laughs> with gas coming with gas out, coming out. <laughs> was that Oliver Reed? yes it, it is, was, uncredited it was very very brief cameo from Oliver Reed as this sort of um, manservant um, oh, he's like, yeah he was Russian wasn't he yeah. when, and I think he was a bad Russian in Condor Man oh so the legendary Condor yeah. Man <laughs> um a bad Russian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we haven't even scraped the surface of this yeah. yet. <laughs> so far. Um, but did you find List the character, or maybe Daltrey's performance, or the way it was written? I didn't find him as interesting as I did the Wagner character. I thought no, Paul Nichols completely. was brilliant. Paul though. Nichols is so good in this. And probably mm. not in, on an absolute scale, but because you have mm. scenes with Ringo as the Pope and <laughs> Roger Daltrey as List. And that's actually the exposition, such as yeah. it is, because there's not a great deal of plot. There's more like a setup of this uh, conflict between List and Wagner. But when they're actually describing what's going to be going on, and mm. you're thinking, God, these guys are just dreadful. So Nichols is brilliant in it. It's yeah. surprising because in Britain he's known as this quite bland sitcom star. Um, so to see him here really going for it, dressed uh, variously as a vampire sailor. Um, a Frankenstein's monster version of Hitler, and like I say, Superman dancing with List's daughter. And uh, no, I thought he was really wonderful. He kind of, um, I can't quite say he carried the film, but he was enough of. I suppose it's like in old Doctor Who, and even if everyone else is terrible, the person playing the Doctor is usually good enough. That yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. Maypole almost that keeps yes. everything. Yeah. There literally is a Maypole in here. As well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but God, no, there's, there's very little story. Um, and I'm not sure if I've learnt anything after watching it, really. But that's probably not the intention of it, is it? No, no. Although if it did have an intention, it's probably trying to make um, Wagner lists music seem relevant to a new audience. Mm. Throughout it, Rick Wakeman, um, the, at the height of his yes synth kind of, uh, no. probably was doing like Journey to the Center of the Earth and King Arthur on Ice at this kind of era as well. Mm. Um, I don't think that reinterpretation of the music helps at all I it, didn't it, like it didn't it sounds like bad it. anyway but uh, it, it absolutely date stamps it to the mid 70s and this yeah. is like midpoint between glam and punk um, but also I'm not sure I'm that big a fan of List you know I mean I'm not uh, I'm not very knowledgeable about classical music anyway but this sounded quite like it was made for Richard Clayderman and very cheesy kind of mm. yeah it's, it's there's something quite um, uh, Muzakish uh, about it <laughs> List was the original Muzak pioneer he was indeed yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean I, I really like Wagner's music you know it's like it's bombastic and you know it's been used Wagner, so much yeah. because I mean I th- the, to me I thought it's like the agenda for Russell was to like really paint Wagner in a a very uh, anti-Semitic, fascistic light, which 
you know, it's no surprise to anyone. Though. No, although having said that, um, it's not enough to pay lip service to, oh, God, the Nazis took his music and did all this stuff with it. They then actually do have a scene with a kind of a, a Jewish ghetto being cleared yeah. out. But it doesn't really do the filmmakers any favours that they play this kind of comedy Yiddish music. No, and no. All the Jewish characters there are grabbing Gold Star of David's with pawnbrokers' balls. Oh. It's a little <laughs> bit unfortunate. However, I think that scene is when... Um, Wagner is the sort of um, Frankenstein's monster Hitler was that one of your favourite uses of what Ride of the Valkyries in film yeah. <laughs> it tops uh, Apocalypse now now yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's difficult not to think of it yeah. as, as he parades around in these platform boots with a guitar firing as, as a guitar machine gun yeah because earlier there was a, a piano flamethrower was it a, yes a translucent yes. piano and um, if this sounds if this sounds outrageous the end scene we're not going to describe even uh, no, no, no. It's best not to. No, but oh man, absolutely extraordinary. And yeah, it did flop. And I think after this, he did Valentino, which I've not seen. But it's kind of like this probably was the last time that this is probably his equivalent of Dune for David Lynch. Except <laughs> yes. I imagine he really wanted to make this for his. You know. Yeah. But in terms of this is the last time that much money was going to get lavished on a Ken Russell project, and I think his imagination yeah. was reined in. But then you know you get things like Altered States, which are is born of a lot of conflict between the people behind the scenes but I still quite enjoy for what it is yeah yeah. yeah. Well, and Larry the White Worm oh yeah no I mean as we say many times sometimes conflict. restricting the budget makes a more creative you know product at the end of it yeah so cheers Ken cheers Ken rest in peace well don't rest in peace no, so we no. <laughs> rest in madness I was hoping to find this clip actually I remember in bit there was a dreadful Channel 4 um, youth show on in the really in the, Surprisingly, <laughs> called Star Test. Do you remember this? No. <laughs> Celebrities would sit facing a camera, but then they'd superimpose. Oh um, God! Yeah, basically they were talking to a, a computer was interviewing. Yeah. Them. They had to pick their own questions. Like randomly. a dating sort of program thing. Kind of like that. that yeah. And they'd have to answer questions. <clears throat> but Ken Russell was on once, and they said, "What would you like played at your funeral?" And I remember he said he was at someone's funeral recently. This is in like '89. And he said it was very solemn. And then this little boy of four or five who'd learnt a bit of piano jumped up on the organ and started playing Little Red Monkey, 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 Little Red Monkey. And he said, it brought the place down. And yeah. I think when I get carted off, that's what I want. <laughs> Raped at gunpoint. Well, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> it's quiz time-ish. Yeah. This was, this was for fun. This was just for fun because... And, um, it was a Christmas new- treat to make up for air. <laughs> Christmas show. My New Year's resolution is to try and do quizzes and give the listeners enough time to get their answers in. And, you and make know. them a bit easier? Uh, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, this was a nice gruesome uh, <laughs> feast, wasn't it? Yeah, I was trying to like get away from uh, the festive spirit and just have a lot of gore and violence. And I did pretty well, I thought. I think only two, two things in there weren't particularly gory. Three things, maybe. But anyway... I digress. So, number one was Fulci's City of the Living Dead. That's kind of iconic, that. I think that was. Well, like quite I said, I didn't. One. I hadn't seen the film, but I recognised because there's an image of a woman just spewing out mm. every organ imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing the stills a lot, and it, it was either Starburst or Shock Express or something. Yeah, yeah it's a famous scene. It's a good one. Uh, number two, uh, Takashi Miike's Happiness of the Categories, which is a remake of. Uh, Korean film called The Quiet Family, which is also brilliant, but he just brings absolute insanity. He brings Ken Russell style uh, madness to it. There's a lot of claymation going on in there, which I really like. Um, number three, 24 Hour Party People. Great music film about music. I, I like that period of music anyway, and you're not as big a fan, are you? No, but like I said, it was, it's weird watching it when Howard DeVoto, the real Howard DeVoto, turns up as himself as a toilet cleaner. It's just <laughs> peculiar scenes like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, Marky Smith's in there. I mean, there's loads of people, yeah. like faces from, uh, from, the, from the scene. Yeah. Uh, number four, The Fanatic, also known as the last horror movie or horror film. Um, with Joe Spinell and uh, Caroline Monroe um, shortly after uh, Maniac. <laughs> Riding it's, on the coattails of that Yeah, success. I mean, it's it's by no means is a good film, but I, I think it's thoroughly entertaining. It's all filmed like guerrilla style in Cannes. Yeah, if... Um, about, uh, is it from the very early 80s then? Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, I, it's I just think, after um, Maniac, I think. I think I remember that being on, like, shell shop 
displays. Mm. And I just thought it was great that it was called The Last Horror Movie, but it was a double A. It, what, it, how gruesome could it be if there was, <laughs> there was a whole other certificate of gruesomeness? That yeah. <laughs> uh, number five, one of my favourites from Fright Fest two years ago, Dream Home. Number six, 300. Zack Snyder making Superman. Man of Steel. Yep. I've not seen any stills of that yet. Have you mm, seen I've seen a still of whatever his chops is. He's a guy Who from. The um, he's a British. He's, I think he's called Henry something. I saw him in um, a Woody Allen film, Whatever Works. He's a kind of. He's the young bucket. He's British? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. What's going on in Hollywood? Like, it's. Welshman as Batman. <laughs> Are you looking, have you seen the Dark Knight Rises trailer? I haven't. No. Are you bothered or? I'm not that. I didn't like the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, or is it the, the Dark, Dark Knight? Knight. This Sorry, is Dark Knight this, Rises. I'm getting so confused yeah. now. Uh, I like the first one. I yeah. thought the second one was just way too w- long-winded for me. But yeah, that's the magic of watching oh. things at home on video. Yeah. Rather than, uh, <laughs> or yeah. You have no ideas. No, I saw Prometheus yeah. trailer. Yeah. That's floating my boat. Yeah. Yeah. That looks good. It looks good. Yeah. yeah. No. I, I, Whether or not it'll deliver. Yeah, but I like the fact they've tried to make that trailer as much like the the, the spirit of Alien. Yeah. Well, they've done a really good job. Yeah. I think, especially because it's like they've bypassed aliens as yeah. well. Which <laughs> they need to anyway. Yeah. But I like the fact that Scott said, "Well, just a minute. You know, I did the original. Here's what it's all about." <laughs> I can imagine he said that. Just a minute. <laughs> uh, number seven. Happiness. Brilliant film, Todd Zalantz. Uh, number eight, one of my favourites, Zilavsky, Possession. <laughs> Happiness and Possession. <laughs> number nine, Twin Town. Um, oh. What is it? Oh, it's always billed as like the Welsh the train Welsh spotting, train spotting yeah. which is just so far removed <laughs> from the truth. Uh, very funny. And yeah, a brilliant opening to a film. Number ten, this is uh, Cube Zero, the prequel to Cube. Okay, so there are more quizzes to come. Of course, yeah. I'm going to start one tomorrow or the day after. Okay, there's no rush. <laughs> and I'll try and work it out so that when it goes out, you yeah. know, you'll have enough time. Let's get her, get her act together. Kiss my acumen. Following the wild success of Jaws, producers were understandably keen to bring more of Peter Benchley's work to the screen. In 1980s The Island, snoopy British journalist Michael Caine investigates hijacks and vanishings in the Caribbean, unwisely taking his 12-year-old son Justin with him. The pair soon find the cause of the trouble when they're abducted by David Warner and his merry band of savage inbreds descended from 17th century pirates. I don't think this is the case anymore, but there was certainly a period when if you went into charity bookshops, they'd have a lot of copies of Peter Benchley books, and it was almost always the beast. I don't... I don't. I, I only know Jaws. This is it. He did mm. Jaws, but I think he did a lot of other water-themed... Um, thrillers but the great I mean I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Jaws um, and even though the, the success of that film is kind of Spielberg uh, as a director but also the cast they set up such a great thing in a nutshell mm. of um, shark terrorises community but then you've got three guys who are all obsessed with getting the shark for their own reasons he never quite captured that again and mm. this even though this has a good setup, um I mean I really like it but it's just it's a good film by any other standards I think it's just yeah. that it doesn't quite have that you know in a nutshell setup. But no, it's no. hugely enjoyable I mean I only saw this for the first time last year On uh, it was on TV I can't remember which it was probably on like Movies 24 the or the Movies Channel. for Men or something yeah. <laughs> Movies for Men <laughs> <laughs> but it was I, I was I really really enjoyed it um, it wasn't what I expected and yeah, I can imagine he must have had that like shadow looming over him. Like, I mean, Benchley, sorry, mm-hmm. with the whole Jaws thing. But uh, unfortunately, Jaws is ever going to be associated with Spielberg now. But I really, this was something interesting. It was quite different. The initial setup is yeah, that you know, the you've got this mysterious island where no one even realizes that it is there. Yeah, um, with these. Uh, Inbred buccaneers. Yeah. They're a mishmash of Lord of the Flies, yeah, and the Lost Boys or something. But they're all but like classic um, all, TV yeah. and uh, middle-aged at least film British from the actors. 70s. It's kind of like a prototype of Alien Three. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so much so that even though David Warner is fantastic, I mean, I'm a big mm. fan of him in general. Um, 
he almost fades into the background against people like um, Colin Jeevans. Do you recognise yes, him? Yes. If yeah. you don't, he's kind of a mixture of Roddy McDowell and Kenneth Williams. Is this very bird-like and effeminate kind of fellow? Child catcher. Yeah, he looks like him. Yeah. He used to pop up in a lot of Dennis Potter plays. Uh, Don Henderson, who's a big figure in British kind of cop shows. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Dudley Sutton with his hair done like um, Bo Derek. It's amazing. Ten. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, he's called Doctor Brazil, <laughs> and I'm not given they had that hairdo, um, but he spent a lot of time in white fishnet tights as yeah. well. I'm not sure if they were suggesting something with him. <laughs> But yeah, Colin Jeevans in particular is this kind of lawgiver character. It's called His Honor, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, who's almost like um, he's almost like the dude in uh, the Big Lebowski. He's wandering around in Wellington boots, uh, boxer shorts, and a dressing gown. <laughs> so, uh, you know, compared to this, Warner's great, but he almost seems a little bit too refined and sophisticated. Whereas these other guys look to be having a great, just a real whale of a time being let off the leash and being as. Um, Overboard as possible. Yeah, because I mean, there's. I wonder if Kevin Reynolds was it who did Waterworld? Might yeah. have seen this as a youngster, or he might have not been a youngster then, mm-hmm. but because uh, there's though. something about the, the the look of it, you know, that um, yeah, the ramshackle kind. Yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. it's post-apocalyptic yeah. ideas that there as well, but and the language is great as well. You know how they have this like n- underdeveloped mishmash patois yeah. of. You know, three hundred years of uh, language and things which have degraded. And you yeah, about. that's good. I mean, that that's that's usually how a lot of things like this stand and fall. Is whether you think that society seems authentic. And with that, I did actually think, yes, I can believe there's three hundred years worth of um, stuff here, which all of these guys are in on, but we as outsiders mm. don't really get. You know, I don't want to get too serious about it, but I think <laughs> if you put things like that in, it really helps sell the film rather than it just being ludicrous. However, happily, it is quite ludicrous as well. <laughs> the fact they must have just cast Michael Caine because he was a big bankable name, and at this point, God had done things like the Swarm. The Swarm. <laughs> he wasn't going to be too fussy, but the something I just loved about this because he's um, in it. He's very much like the public perception of Michael Caine. He's got the glasses, and he's even got the blue blazer. A lot say of scenes uh, early on. Ip Chris Fowler. There's some. There's a. What's his character in that? Harry Palmer. Uh, Harry yeah. Palmer. There's a Harry Palmer look about him. Yeah, but well, even in that, he's a bit more. He's playing a character, but in this, it seems like the version of Michael Caine that Im, uh, impressionists. Stella Street. Do. Sort of like that, and he seems. I can't quite say he's an apologetic Englishman, but even <laughs> when he's in this bizarre situation, shackled by the neck, sweat pouring off him, being savaged by jellyfish, he still. St- He's talking to people in quite a refined manner, isn't he? It's, yeah. it's kind of like if Hugh Grant had turned up in uh, Apocalypse Now or something. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> because there's a great scene where the... the I'm going to call them pirates, yeah. but the islanders, um, they raid um, a ship, which, well, it's like a, sh- a schooner or something, yeah. which is like Full being used for cocaine smuggling. And uh, he's being used as a stud to impregnate this woman because they're also inbred. And she asks him at one point, "What's all that like that powder?" <laughs> and, he, and she said, "What's that for? What does it cure?" Because yeah. he says it's a medicine, doesn't he? He I says think? it's a drug a called drug. cocaine. She says, "What does it cure?" And he says, "Insecurity." And she's happy with this. Yeah, she understands what that is. But you know, but it's the way he's so I feel yeah. about the words. Yeah. Like he's not trying to. Pl- yeah, he's he, you know you see his eyes darting around. Yeah. He's trying to help him in that. But mm. yeah, he just kind of like he's going along with it. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, so hopefully we've covered the setup. I mean, an important thing we've not mentioned is um, his young son, who I was convinced was the one from Close Encounters, uh, Dreyfus's oh, right. son. But it's not. I don't think this guy's done anything else. Yeah. Uh, I say guy because he's probably like nearly 50. Now, <laughs> I um, but that, I don't think it's given away too much to say. I think a great thing with this, a great thing in the plot, is Kane gets captured by the pirates, but his son gets kind of brainwashed and falls in with them totally so there's a sense that Cain can't just kill them all and escape there's always he's always got that you know he's, he's stuck there because he can't abandon his son but yeah. his son doesn't want to leave because he's kind of disowned his dad but mm. I thought that was a really good uh, thing to put in there just it to, you know, was quite clever I mean I think it's a really popular thing in the 70s um Especially from like people like um, Spielberg, you know, mm. like the split family, yeah. divorce, you know, you know, the child is sort of lost between yeah. two parents. I, at first, I thought, oh, it's quite an obvious kind of mm. trope to use, but like you say, it lends itself brilliantly to the brilliantly yeah. to the plot, and um, 
because they seem quite to get on quite well and they're affable anyway. But there's a slight undercurrent of misgiving there. Yeah, and, and the kid can play yeah. him off against, oh, mum would let me do this. Yeah, or, granddad yeah. will buy me this gun anyway. <laughs> and such stuff. Yeah, this apparently has quite a good following. And I know uh, Lyndon suggested that we cover it a few times. Oh, right. Because okay. um, I don't think it did that well at the box office, but it, it is known for having great twists. So I don't want to talk too much, but there are it's something that did keep you guessing. I mean, there's that setup, but then you you're not quite sure where things are going to develop after that. Mm. And very striking visuals in it. Um, uh, the effects were by um, Albert Whitlock, who created Yoda. Oh, right. <laughs> which, I don't know, did you get this? There's, I think the opening of this is really good. and Because, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the pirates are obviously um, hijacking ships and killing off people. I don't think that's giving away too much. But it all, I think the filmmakers have done a good job of picking people you don't really care about. And to begin with, it's <laughs> a doctors. bunch of, yeah, <laughs> just a real bunch of flabby kind of self-important. Aren't they talking about where a certain drink comes from or something at the beginning? Vermouth. Where Vermouth yeah. is from and making really weak jokes about proctology and yeah. stuff. And so when they get off, do you just think, great. Although it, it's it's much more gruesome than you're expecting as well. It is. It? It's pretty full on. You know, it's like an axe in the face. and a Yeah, not a great bar. head, <laughs> artificial no. head, but, you know, it does the trick. Oh, no, I like it, yeah. But just insane scenes, which uh, even to describe them won't prepare you. But I think historically accurate with them breaking on board with their heads on fire and the... the flaming head like yes. um, Crazy World of Arthur Brown <laughs> when the one like main female character who's um, played by Angela Punch McGregor mm. um, turns up first her face is caked in mud and she looks like horrifying because her eyes are darting around under there she's really good mm. I, I think she's fantastic in it um, do you know because I wondered if she at first is it for mourning or something because her husband had been killed by Presumably, uh, but that's Kane's that's a good character. touch, isn't it? You, you know, your mind's yeah. thinking is exactly, that why, why yeah. she's doing it, and you because it's washed off sense, later. It's not yeah. explained. You yeah. just sort of yeah, you make up your own ideas. And you get a sense there's a ceremonial kind of <coughs> aspect to things because that's on. a big aspect of it. Is like mm. ceremony. There's yeah. always like um, all the islanders, the pirates. You know, they're reading uh, his honor. Mm. He's always reading from a book, and they're having like votes and stuff. It's so there's something almost like mutually about it. About yeah, it. no. And What's he? Is it Fletcher? You know, Fletcher when Christian, the Fletcher yeah. Christian, the yeah. you know, the idea of them forming this community based upon mm. like this very old um, navy rituals, whatever, yeah. but then being impregnated by so many other uh, yeah. cultures through years. No, I loved it, and um, was it the the, the ship they? Um, they get on board later with the, the coke smuggling. Although I got the sense it was more like just a bunch of Hollywood arseholes, really, wasn't it? Yeah, so. it seemed like that. Because yeah. there's the guy doing his kung fu <laughs> accompanying sound effects, and the pirates Ooh. really go for this. And I know they could just off him with muskets immediately, but they all go one one on one with him because mm. they want to see how far he can get. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the people who got off, I felt I'm the world's no poorer without you, really. <laughs> and it struck me that maybe this is what they should do instead of Occupy Wall Street and Occupy St. Paul. They should just set up some uh, ramshackle community and uh, just go and off people, bankers, <laughs> bankers on their vacation and stuff. Because again, there are lovely scenes after they. Because again, it's great how they get that. Um, when the pirates find the coke, they realize it's got no value to them. So there's just shots of them walking over it and mm. scuffing around. And later, when they're going through stereo equipment, and it's clear again, oh, they've yeah. got no use for it. And all this massively expensive stereo equipment getting thrown in a pile while they just want weapons and food and stuff. It's the antithesis of a yes. uh, capitalist culture. Yeah, isn't I mean, it? yeah. <laughs> obviously that wasn't intended, but I thought so. It's quite a nice. It's um, poignant. Yeah, yeah, it's quite yeah. a nice thing to put in. Um, my one downer on this, because I, I mean, I, I think it's an accidental bit of genius that it's Michael Caine. You could imagine they would have, they could have offered it to anybody. And it was offered to Hopkins, really, originally. Ah, so yeah. do you know if they really wanted an English guy for this, or I presume so, um, right, or British? Because I think they could have given yeah. it to anyone, really. But the fact it's Caine it just makes it hilarious because he's very much like. Like I say, his public version, but also the character he plays in Hannah and her sisters. <laughs> it's just, he really doesn't look cut out to be an action hero, which, without describing the ending, makes that quite um, quite an extraordinary moment. <laughs> if you've seen the last Rambo film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, that's the one thing I didn't like, was given this has a lot of twists and keeps you guessing throughout, um, the last scene almost collapses into quite a conventional... James Bond or any kind of action film sort of pay off at the, at the very end 
it's tied up very neatly, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's just um, yeah, it's quite swift, I suppose. I mean, it was getting on for nearly two hours by yeah. that point, so yeah. I don't know where you could have gone with it. But. Okay. Although um, there is like um, there's a great scene in it. It's not really spoiling anything. Mm. There's a coast coastal god helicopter yeah. or something relaying information back to base and yeah. they're talking they're getting confused between pirates and yeah. pilots yeah. Like, I really like that yeah. so it's a, <laughs> just a completely unnecessary ending because yeah. I've got the end credits isn't it yes yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear um, a few other things to mention Enyo mm. what did you think of his score here Trap. really yeah the main theme so is subtle. one of his romantic ones but I thought there's a lot of really chaotic atonal stuff going on for the pirate attacks and <sighs> I guess, but it, it, I think there's so much that was happening visually mm. anyway that yeah. I was quite swept up in that, and it didn't really lend itself as well. I was, I mean, for something, I'm not going to disguise the fan that I loved Bluebeard, yeah, and the music from that is probably my favourite Morricone score now. So if if it doesn't come close to that, it's uh, <laughs> Morricone. I, I was really surprised. I found it was really. Um, yeah, just neither here nor there for me. No, because like I said earlier, I watched that making of the Devils. Which yeah, is, uh, is it Peter Maxwell? Somebody did the music yes. for that, which is very avant-garde and atonal. This this reminded me a lot of that. The attacks really seem quite. It put my teeth on edge. Cause mm. they're, they're, they're kind of visually horrible anyway. But when you've got this really horrifying, chaotic music, that's <laughs> something else. Um, Angela Punch McGregor, I've never heard of. No, something about her. I thought. Reading up on her though, um, she she's like just descended into things like Home and Away. She's an Australian actress, uh, and I read she played Juliet opposite Mel Gibson on stage. Oh right! <laughs> and apparently, because she was very unpopular then with a lot of teenage girls, and so when she went to stab herself in the suicide, um, they were all cheering. <laughs> <laughs> they were all at a list concert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear. Well. Michael, Michael Caine's not quite Richard Burton for you that you're not going to be uh, checking out The Swarm yeah I mean I quite like The Swarm really? to be honest I don't mind it yeah it's it was on TV quite a lot when I was uh, probably about 10 uh, so yeah it's, late, it, it late has, 80s it has got some hysterical dialogue in it but um, it's it probably really a good double bill with Phenomenon <laughs> Insects are our friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what else did you do? The Hand, I think, which is written. Not seen that. I think possibly directed by Oliver Stone. I think it's before he got political. Mm. Yeah. So, have you seen The Island with McGregor and Johansson? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was quite rubbish. It's got nothing to do with this, has it? No, the similar title. I think there are quite <laughs> a few films called The Island, but that was. Oh no! If if you want to see a film called The Island. This Watch this the island one. rather than the Gregor one. Or this island Earth, even. <laughs> Best drink, you drink. You need fire in the belly. So that wraps up the first uh, midnight video of 2012. I forget what we're called then. <laughs> it's that time of the year when you don't know if it's last year or this year. <laughs> yeah. A common problem for us. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, join us again next time. Um, just before we go, we wanted to say hi to our friends. Jack and Steve, who've got their own podcast going, which, uh, well, at the time we've recorded, we've heard the first two episodes. Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. It's the South London Hardcore um, podcast. Podcast, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's niche. In, it's very niche. It's niche, yes. <laughs> it's, it's about. So. That was something that I didn't bring up, actually. It was. Uh, Should we just get out of the way now a few other things <laughs> that we didn't mention at the <laughs> yeah. time about the film? Let's, let's, let's do the a. The Nietzschean let's, and Jungian yeah. elements of. Uh, not Jung, uh, the Nietzschean elements, sorry, of. Uh, Wagner. Yeah. Let's, let's say hello to Jack and Steve. No, genuinely, a really great podcast. I think even if you don't live in South London, which I'm guessing is most of you, um, that's helpful. It's the, the guys really going through the history of the place and odd. Odds and sods like sitcoms that were set there, and I think future episodes have uh, music which is set uh, or comes from a South London. They've got a lot of hate for Jim so. Davidson in the first episode, which yeah. is no bad thing. And if you've not heard of him, you will do by the end of that show. <laughs> so uh, yeah, South London hardcore. Also, just wanted to say congratulations to Colin Waters, our old friend in Edinburgh, who's got himself a new job. So uh, well done, mate. Congrats. Um, and thanks for spreading us around on Twitter. And hopefully get well. You hopefully you're well by now, Sanam, who's covered in. Well, she probably doesn't want me to <laughs> reveal her medical history <laughs> <laughs> over the microphone. But yes, um, I hope you're well now. So, what did we miss out from early reviews? 
Nietzsche. No, it was definitely Nietzsche. Um, this is like an Easter egg. This is a little supplemental yeah. deleted scenes. <laughs> I wanted to say because the set design in um, Listomania was great, but the guy who did it, F- Philip Harrison, I think went on to do Time Cop and things. It's like his career really. I, I suppose you don't get flamboyant films like that anymore. Time Cop doesn't demand that kind of thing. But it's good, you know. We look back on these with fond memories. Not that I've got memories of 1975. We've got new memories. I was a twitch in the nutsack, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking of the Mario Barber film. <laughs> twitch, twitch of the death nerve. <laughs> twitch of the nutsack would be... Uh... Anyway, if you've not turned off by yes, now... <laughs> you really should. You can get in touch with us if you feel the need to through the usual um, the usual conduits. So, yeah, Facebook, just look for us there. Um, midnight-video.com is our website where we've got film strips so you can see stills. And we'll, we'll reveal the ending, the shocking ending of Alice in Acidland. <laughs> and the final caption card as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. That'll be there. Uh, Twitter, at Midnight Video. And, yeah, subscribe to us through iTunes. And, you know, you can still fit, leave little messages of... Uh, Fealty, I was going to say. <laughs> Feel nice. Um, yeah, on there, just to allure more listeners. Or maybe we should um, do more big, hardcore, mainstream movies for, to entice a new, we will uh, be. a new brand of listener. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. can you guess which British rock stars we're going to be covering in the next few weeks? <laughs> um, oh, did we do the Hotmail address? Oh, yeah. No, email. Midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk if you want to email us and that is everything yeah by the time this goes out we will be drunk in the pub hopefully with some of you guys uh it's too late for that now so yeah um a nice start to the year and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks time definitely okay good night toodle pip how many kuna I get in my price. Will I be able to carry all the kuna?